Peter. Michael. What do you know about campus controversies? I know that we're about to get very technical about the definition of bond me. So today I will be walking you through three of the dumbest campus free speech controversies of the last mm -hmm. decade in honor of our Coddling of the American Mind episode. And yes, we are starting with the Bon Me incident at Oberlin <laughs> in 2015. I knew it. Do you want to walk me through what you know so far? Yeah, my, my memory of this is relatively hazy. But what I recall is that a student at Oberlin complained about cafeteria bond me mm -hmm. and i can't remember the format that they complained about it in but eventually this complaint trickled its way into right-wing media mm -hmm. and so what was a pretty anodyne complaint about the quality of food at, at a cafeteria gets sort of laundered into a meta discourse about Whiny students yes. complaining about woke stuff. All of these college campus controversies are so much easier to understand as human behavior when you hear them in the order in which they happened. Mm -hmm. So four years after this controversy, we finally get a retelling from the beginning from the Columbia Journalism Review of like what actually happened. So we don't actually find this out until four years later. Uh -huh. The beginning of this story was basically a journalism professor at Oberlin was speaking to one of his journalism students and she was pitching a story about how like the Vietnamese food in the cafeteria like sucks ass. Uh -huh. The Chinese kids say the Chinese food sucks. The Japanese kids say the Japanese food sucks. Mm -hmm. And this is just like a pretty common gripe among international students. I bet the American food sucks too. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it's cafeteria food. This is an essential part of the student experience, complaining about the cafeteria food. It's also an essential part of the student journalist experience. So the professor yeah. eventually is like, well, why don't you like write this up as a story? And like, this is so much student journalism is just like the lowest stakes, right. nothing burger ass thing. But it's like as a student journalist, you got to fill like 16 pages every week of the student newspaper. Yeah. My my first article at my student newspaper was about seasonal allergies. <laughs> there wasn't any like new information or anything. It was literally just like it's April. Right. And so I remember like walking around the grassy areas of campus and just asking people like, do you have allergies? Do you have allergies? <laughs> and finally, I found somebody who did. And the opening paragraphs of the article were like, every April, Jessica Smith gets a stuffy nose and itchy eyes. <laughs> it's allergy season. Nice. That, like, that was basically the whole story, just like allergies exist. And one thing I really, I like, I deeply empathize with the people writing these stories because it's like, this is student journalism. You're kind of yeah. practicing, right? You're learning what it's like to talk to random people. You're learning what it's like to package anecdotes and information into some sort of coherent structure. Yeah. So yeah. this student basically just like she trundles off to the cafeteria to like write up the fact that international students have complaints about the international food. Mm -hmm. And so I am going to send you the first four paragraphs of her story. Okay. Deep Win, a college first year from Vietnam, jumped with excitement at the sight of Vietnamese food on Stevenson Dining Hall's menu at orientation this year. Craving Vietnamese comfort food, Wynn rushed to the food station with high hopes. What she got, however, was a total disappointment. The traditional banh mi Vietnamese sandwich that Stevenson Dining Hall promised turned out to be a cheap imitation of the East Asian dish. 
Instead of a crispy baguette with grilled pork, pate, pickled vegetables, and fresh herbs, the sandwich used ciabatta bread, pulled pork, and coleslaw. <laughs> I do feel like it was undersold in the press, the, the extent to which these students were correct about, about the food being <laughs> shitty. <laughs> it was ridiculous, Wynne said. How could they just throw out something completely different and label it as another country's traditional food? Wynne added that Bon Appetit, the food service management company contracted by Oberlin College, has a history of blurring the line between culinary diversity and cultural appropriation by modifying the recipes without respect for certain Asian countries' cuisines. This uninformed representation of cultural dishes has been noted by a multitude of students, many of who have expressed concern over the gross manipulation of traditional recipes. So here we have it. It's basically just like, here's a student who's griping about the food. Turns out Mm -hmm. lots of students gripe about the food. I've never been on a campus where people were not complaining about the food providers. And then we get to the two paragraphs that will launch years and years of takes. And you are going to read them. Perhaps the pinnacle of what many students believe to be a culturally appropriative sustenance system is Dascom Dining Hall's Sushi Bar. The sushi is anything but authentic for Tomoyo Joshi, a college junior from Japan who said that the undercooked rice and lack of fresh fish is disrespectful. She added that in Japan, sushi is regarded so highly that people sometimes take years of apprenticeship before learning how to appropriately serve it. When you're cooking a country's dish for other people, including ones who have never tried the original dish before, you're also representing the meaning of the dish as well as its culture, Joshi said. So if people not from that heritage take food, modify it, and serve it as authentic, it is appropriative. It is appropriative. Hmm. I want to put a very fine point on this. This entire thing of like students at Oberlin think that the food is cultural appropriation appears to stem from literally one random student from Japan. This is, of course, used to portray all American college students as, you know, snowflakes or whatever. But it is weird to me that the fact that these are foreign students didn't seem to come up in the discourse about it. Like, I feel like Uh if anyone is allowed to complain about sushi, it's probably like a Japanese person. (laughs) It's totally sensible. Do I think that this is like the spot on definition of cultural appropriation? Probably not. But it's like, you see what she's saying. Right. And also, at worst, one random foreign student mm-hmm. maybe used wording that wasn't the most precise, right? Yeah. Even if even if you disagree with this complaint, it's sort of like, okay, you know, maybe she could have expressed that differently or maybe I would have expressed that differently. But it's like, I, I also think it's important to stress that like this person is talking off the cuff, yep. right? This isn't like a letter that they wrote and like really deliberated over every single word. This is probably the journalist wandering around the cafeteria for like an hour or two with a notebook And like sitting down next to students and being like, hey, you look like a foreign exchange student. Do you mind if I like talk to you for a little bit and like ask you about the food? Uh These people did not contact the media. Right. I I also think that there's I don't know if this person was sort of prompted to go in this direction by the student journalist. Right, right, right. But like like you said, these are necessarily low stakes issues. And the student journalist might have an interest in making them seem a little higher stakes than they are, right? Like perhaps this isn't just that the cafeteria food sucks. Maybe there's an amount of cultural insensitivity baked into this too. Right. And that's just sort of like some kid trying to make their story interesting. Yeah, It's not like uh, something that represents a widespread viewpoint on campus or anything like that. So what's also amazing to me is the the rest of this story is actually super constructive. So the journalist interviews a kid from Malaysia who's like, uh, I actually think the food's fine. Uh-huh. And then 
she talks to people from the sort of the cultural clubs on campus. You know, there's like the Chinese American club and there's like the Filipino club and stuff. And a lot of them are like, yeah, we'd love to meet with the cafeteria and like talk about the way to present our dishes or maybe the way to prepare them or what to call them. And the food director is like, yeah, we'd love to talk more with students about like how we can represent their cuisines better. Mm -hmm. And so after this article runs, this article runs in November of 2015, in December, we then get a follow-up article about the meeting that took place between various mm. cultural clubs on campus and the food director. And like, it seems like everybody just kind of sat down like adults. Uh -huh. It seems like they came to some sort of compromise where they like, wouldn't call it a bon me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're like, well, maybe don't call it a bon me. You can call it like bon me inspired or something like right, that. But it, right. ultimately it seems like, okay, there's this fairly minor gripe among the students. And then the adults are like, that's a fair point. Let's talk about it. And then they address it. <laughs> it's like, right. right. <laughs> this is right. just all very normal stuff. No one's melting down. No one is protesting anything. Not a national news story so far. <laughs> Don't really see why I need to have known about this at all. <laughs> There's also, as a total coincidence, there is a group of black students who are mm -hmm. actually protesting the cafeteria. Okay. Apparently there's like a residence hall for black students on the Oberlin campus. And there's been a process of updating the food to make it more culturally appropriate. This is like something that's been going on for a while. And I guess the effort was not very good. Sure. So at some point, the black students write an open letter to the food service company with a bunch of demands. There's food stuff on there. They're like, you know, a lot of the food involves cream and like we don't really use cream in a lot of our cooking. Like we, we'd like you huh, to okay. have more consultation about like what kinds of foods are appropriate. And then there's also stuff like we want better working conditions and we want better procurement practices. There's like this uh -huh. petition open letter thing that has a bunch of complaints on it. That's like kind of an ongoing issue. And there's one article in the Oberlin student newspaper that says that they did in fact stage a protest outside of this one residence hall for black students over the conditions of the food and the fact that the company nor the university had responded to this open letter. Okay. So it's not totally clear how many students protested. I remember when I was on campus, you'd see these protests of like three people like outside of various like yeah, campus sure, things. So sure. it's not, it, it's not clear like how widespread this was, but it is true that at some point, some Oberlin students did have a protest involving food. Right. Geared towards the food service company. Yes. So then six weeks goes by. Uh -huh. And then we get the first national media coverage. Hell yeah. Do you want to guess what what the headline is? <laughs> no. It appears in the New York Post, in case that's a hint. I don't think I can put myself in the mind space of a New York Post headline writer, so just tell me. <laughs> All right, I'm sending you a screen grab. <laughs> it's It's a masterpiece. <laughs> holy shit i know oh the layers <laughs> students at lena dunham's college offended by lack of fried chicken <laughs> oh man so one of the complaints in this open letter from the black students was like culturally appropriate foods such as fried chicken should be served more often this was like one of many bullet points right the new york post plucks that out as like the central concern of these students yeah of course and also just throws fucking lena dunham in there for no reason the lena there's like a <laughs> an insert with lena dunham's face in the corner <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
So the opening paragraph, of course, <laughs> leans into just like the most incendiary aspects of this. So it says, sure. students at an ultra-liberal Ohio college are in an uproar over the fried chicken, sushi, and Vietnamese sandwiches served in the school cafeteria, complaining the dishes are insensitive and culturally inappropriate. Gastronomically correct students at Oberlin College, alma mater of Lena Dunham, are filling the school newspaper with complaints and demanding meetings with campus dining officials and even the college president. Mm. If you read between the lines, it's all kind of there. Yeah. Right? It's just like there's an open letter from these students. Basically, it quotes this one Japanese student saying that it's cultural appropriation. Right. So you have one one student newspaper piece quoting a student using the terminology of cultural appropriation you have a meeting between students and uh, the food services administrators and you have a protest right the separate protest by black students that together weaves into the narrative of an uproar right right when it's, right. it's probably a total of 25 students if i'm being generous what they're basically doing is they're presenting the set of basic facts but they're presenting all of them in the most incendiary way possible that invites sure. you to fill in the gaps with all of this pre-existing students or snowflakes bullshit, right? So it says right. students are filling the campus newspaper with complaints and demanding meetings with campus dining officials. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a purely technical sense, yes, they're like, we'd like to sit down and talk about this. And they're also not filling the student newspaper, right? right? The, they're trying to <laughs> paint um, an image in your mind of a college where like if you went there right now people would be talking right. about fried chicken this wasn't even a front page story in the student newspaper no, the front page was the the allergy story <laughs> 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 what appears to then happen over the next couple of weeks is that it it bounces around like the sort of right-leaning media as like look at these idiot fucking college kids and then it bounces around like the liberal media as like there's a controversy going on right. over the dining hall food. Have our young liberal allies overstepped right. once again? This produces one of the worst Atlantic articles I've ever read. This is by Connor Friedersdorf. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he yeah. basically ends up whipping a debate out of this rather than straightforwardly describing what's going on. Uh -huh. So I'm sending you a couple paragraphs. All right. This story is hardly all there is to Oberlin. It's an outlying story about a small number of students plucked by the tabloid most adept at trolling its readers from the stream of campus news. There are dissenters at the school, and students at many campuses often complain about food in overwrought ways. Decent start? He's basically saying, like, look, this is total bullshit whipped up by right-wing media. With the caveat <laughs> that this is false. <laughs> that... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Still... It's possible to glean insights from the most absurd events at Oberlin as surely as it's possible to learn something about America by observing the biggest Black Friday sales. Every subculture and ideology has its excesses. And Oberlin, where the subculture is unusually influenced by social justice activism, can starkly illuminate the particular character of that ideology's excesses. So it's like, okay, look, this is fake and based on nothing and is entirely a product of right-wing media, but we can still learn. But what if we still constructed a narrative using, <laughs> using those lies and exaggerations? What if we could still tell a story? What is amazing to me about this article is that Friedersdorf read the original piece. Right. Like, he went back to the student newspaper, which, like, a lot of the right-wing media didn't do. Right. And he still manages to frame this 
as like, what if what if there's a real problem underneath this? He knows enough and has read enough to con- to realize that a caveat is necessary, right? Yes. He has seen the disparity between what actually happened and the coverage of it such that he is like, okay, well, I can't just credulously write about this. I need to right. give the caveat up top right. that this isn't really of note, <laughs> right? right? Right. And then I need to justify writing a piece for my employer, right. The Atlantic. Two paragraphs later, he says, many people relate to the complaint, gosh, that food is awful. Can't you dining hall people make it better? Mm-hmm. Yet Oberlin culture reframed a banal, sympathetic complaint in a way that alienated millions. <laughs> alienated. It's one, it's a student complaining in a, it's a student, student newspaper. newspaper. <laughs> it's literally not possible for that to alienate millions. And also, like, they published this and then six weeks went by. Right. They didn't alienate anybody. They alienated like the four people that potentially read even halfway through the story to get through the Japanese student. Am I alienating millions of people with my thought on the dining room food at Oberlin College? Is is there something? I mean, uh, you know, I don't even I don't even have more to say about this. This is just, that's just like unreal language to use about uh, a student's comment to a student right. newspaper journalist alienating millions of people. He's like, in fairness, Lena Dunham is very annoying. (laughs) But then Friedersdorf quotes, I'm not kidding, a commenter on Rod Dreyer's blog (laughs) calling this a cynical power play on the part of the students. Yes. Connor then says, if this is a cynical power play on some level, its effectiveness cannot be denied. And then he quotes from this article about how they sat down with the dining director and uh-huh. how they came up with like this nice compromise plan. We played the national media like a fiddle. The banh mi <laughs> sandwiches at Oberlin are now called banh mi inspired. <laughs> like, are people just not supposed to make complaints about things that they want to change? Right. After this little paragraph, he says, the less cynical explanation is that these students really do feel culturally disrespected by low-wage dining hall staff making do with suboptimal ingredients. Oh, my God. Oh, the less cynical explanation is that, like, the food sucks? Right. You're right, Connor. We should entertain the possibility that everyone here <laughs> was just talking right. about the food sucking in a completely normal way. Thank you for inviting me to consider what is by far the most likely explanation. You could be having this conversation by leading with that, because yeah. I think <laughs> that is a fair critique. Sure. You're looking at someone who's making almost no money and is being told, like, make this, right? Some yeah. cuisine they're totally unfamiliar with. But Connor is just using it as a cudgel to be like, you insensitive pieces of shit. And remember... The petition that the black students circulated had better wages and working conditions for cafeteria workers on it. Right. So they are actually concerned about it. Yes. What Connor is doing is the same thing that conservatives always do, which is to when the left makes a complaint, point at another plight and be like, well, you're ignoring that that person's plight. Right. Not because the conservatives actually give a shit or have any interest in addressing that person's plight, but just so that they can play marginalized people against each other. Exactly. And be able to talk about how liberals and leftists um, don't actually care about this stuff, which they use as justification for the fact that they don't care either. It's always this is like such a common complaint about anybody pushing for social change. Is it like they don't actually want this? And it's kind of it's (laughs) it's very funny to apply it to a case like this 
where it's like they're eating in the cafeteria three times a day. Right. It actually makes a lot of sense to me that <laughs> the food sucking would actually be something that they genuinely want to change. <laughs> okay, that was number yeah. one. The the Oberlin Bon Me controversy. It's so fucking stupid. Our next controversy is, I think, ultimately less important than the Oberlin one, uh-huh. but far, far dumber. Okay, hell yeah. This is the tale of the rapping librarian. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. 